We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com. That's part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And wow, the 49ers beat the Cowboys 23 to 17. They are moving on in the NFL postseason. But before we get to that, we have to talk about what the hell happened at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. Super excited to dig into this one. Let's get into it. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. It took me a long time to wrap my brain around what happened in Dallas. It felt like like it was this weird it was this weird juxtaposition of like, oh, the 49ers dominated. The 49ers were far and away the better team on Sunday. Saturday, Sunday. But the better team on Sunday. That's where I'm at right now mentally. But it came down to the last second. Like, what a what a wild, wild game. It was not an aesthetic masterpiece, and, right? It, it and, was, it was, I mean, you, you have to be thrilled if you're a 49ers fan with the way the first half went, or most of the first half. Um, you have to be excited that you just got the win because the win is really all that matters in the playoffs. Like, that's just winning. Just, just win and move on. Right. You don't right. really worry about Survive in advance. Happens. Survive in advance. But it was, I mean, to your point, yeah, Dallas was, they were not well coached. No. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, yeah, a Mike McCarthy team had, with 14 penalties for 89 yards, a lot of them of the pre-snap variety. I haven't gone back and counted all of them, but they had five pre-snap penalties by the midway point in the third quarter. Um, Cowboys were the more talented team. They were at home, and the 49ers, like I thought they would be, were the more physical team. They seemed like the more battle-tested team. Um, they they seemed more ready for the moment than Dallas was, and the defense was just lights out. And that mm-hmm. was the best 
offense throughout the regular season in the NFL that the 49ers did that to. Conversely, like it's easy to see why. I mean, Dallas was never really tested during the regular season. Like we had KD on KD Drummond, our buddy to, to preview the game on the pod last week. And it's like their biggest win was against Mac Jones and the Patriots in October. And it was very clear early on that the 49ers just had a different level of intensity against against the Cowboys because they had to have those games against Houston and 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 against the Rams coming in. And you know, momentum is is not easy to quantify, but I think qualitatively you can see it, right? Like you can see it with the with the way the 49ers were playing, with the way they were executing. And that ultimately was the difference, but it was not easy by any stretch. It was a wild game with a lot of crazy different things that happened. Um, special teams, still a nightmare. Like a, a total disaster. Nightmare. Kyle Shanahan still with questionable decisions on fourth down. Um, the 49ers still not being able to fully execute late, like the late quarterback sneak with the, I don't even know if that shift was necessary. I mean, I guess, you know, moving Trent Williams to the other side maybe provides a little bit of window dressing and maybe you get, you're, you're more likely to get the Cowboys jumping off sides in that moment and then you get the game. But the worst case scenario happened where you have a pre-snap penalty because Jimmy Garoppolo snaps the ball before Trent Williams is fully set. Like the Niners, to your point, and, and I think we said it before we came on here, like the Niners probably should have won this game in a blowout. Yes. But then you lose Nick Bosa in the first half to a concussion. You lose Fred Warner in the fourth quarter with an ankle injury. And you kind of had a feeling like, all right, they're not just going to skate. They're not going to go, you know, beat the number three seed in the NFC and skate through it. Right. It right. felt like that might happen in the first half. We always knew a Dallas run was coming. What was surprising was just how many mistakes the Cowboys made and the 49ers made fewer mistakes. And, and if you subscribe to the theory, like I do, that more games in the NFL are lost than one, then then this sort of validates that. But at the same time, like I think coming out of that game, it was pretty clear the 49ers were the better team. They were the more prepared team. They were the team that was executing better. They were more balanced. Um, they made some mistakes too and, and let Dallas get back into it, but they deserve the win. And uh, I don't, I don't think anything that happened with the referees and spotting the ball late really had much to do. I mean, it obviously ended the game, but it didn't define the game in my eyes. And I think there's going to be a lot of yeah. discussion of course, because it's the Cowboys. Um, but I mean, calling a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left on the 40-yard line with no timeouts is just completely insane. And and I don't think the Cowboys should blame the referees for not being able to get another snap off after that. Yeah, it was a well. I thought it was a well officiated game, honestly. Like there yeah, was some contact downfield. Yeah. Like there was some contact downfield on some throws where they they kept flags in their pockets and um, they the penalties they did call seemed pretty pretty obvious. I I, I didn't I didn't think the officials are going to be a problem until that, that very last play. But I want to start with the Niners defense, because if I had told you, I want to rewind to week nine when the Niners gave up 31 points to Colt McCoy and the Cardinals. If someone had told you in that moment, like, Hey, the Niners are going to beat the Rams 
coming back from 17 nothing down to make the playoffs. And then in the playoffs, they're going to go to Dallas and hold the Cowboys to 17 points in a win. It should have been fewer than that. That is that is such a depart. Yeah, and they started one drive on the Niners 30 or whatever it was. That is such a departure from where we were at with this team two months ago. Right. Like it has been such a dramatic shift from they just lost to the Cardinals. Can they beat the Bears? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's where we were at, though. And now they're now they're no, I guess it was the Rams were, were the next week. But I mean, that's that's just kind of where we were at and now like they didn't they dominated the game but i didn't think they were great their run game was really good their def- their their defense played as well as they've played all year they held cd lamb who is a player i and i think anybody else would be concerned about going against this niners team he had one catch for 21 yards that's nuts to hold cd lamb to that is is extremely impressive. I actually think it was one catch for 11 yards and then he got credit on the lateral for receiving yards. I think is how that goes. Yeah. So So he had one catch for 11 yards with 21 yards total. So the fact that they were able to do that with the cornerback group that they have, Ambry Thomas, I didn't even notice him today. And he was a player that three weeks ago, it would have been like, oh my gosh, Dallas is going to torch that guy. So I was, I went from, and we'll have to see with Nick Bosa and, and where he's at with his concussion. We'll have to see what Fred Warner's ankle injury is like. Although during the game, I am not a doctor, but during the game, that didn't look good. I, this is a, this is a defense now that like, can you can win a Super Bowl with? They played that. They played that well. Like they're not as good as the 2019 unit, but all of a sudden it's like, oh, the Packers aren't going to be able to just rack up 40 points. The Niners' defense was third in the league in total yardage and fifth in yards per play. Right. So like, it was just super impressive. You take away Jimmy's interception, which you can't do because Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback and he's due for one of those a game. We'll get to that. And you take away the fake field goal, which was just complete like that. That is fake just punt. a heinous. Sorry, fake punt. That is just a heinous mistake from Josh Norman. Bro, they put Josh Norman on the field and the Cowboys targeted him with the punter. The starting defense, with the exception of whoever was covering up the Gunners, was on the field to protect against a play like that. Like Fred Warner and Eric Armstead and all those guys are on the field to protect against a fake. And they snap the ball and Josh Norman turns his back and just starts sprinting. (laughs) Leaving the guy wide open. And that leads to a field goal. So 10... It was... the 49ers defense actually allowed one legit scoring drive because the Cowboys got a, got a touchdown off the interception and then a field goal coming off that fake punt. Special teams, still a problem. Still, still a, a very serious problem. Huge issue. 
Robbie Gold was nails today, though. I think he had, I mean, 53 and 51 yards and guy and kicking it through the end zone on kickoffs. Like that's not you. My guy. (laughs) Mitch Wisnowski has been the 49ers kickoff guy because they've thought to this point that Robbie Gold just doesn't have the leg to kick it through the end zone every time. So yeah, Robbie Gold falling right now. (laughs) Robbie Gold. Hey, quick winners and losers segment. Winner, Robbie Gold. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Robbie Gold. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the mistakes, that's the thing. Like, going to Green Bay, you're not going to be able to overcome those mistakes. But if you have a defense that's playing like the defense is right now, I mean, it's it's just about executing. Like, what really impresses me about the defensive line is the way they execute on their stunts and twists and two-man games and all of that stuff. Like, Nick Bosa's sack today. They brought a tight end in to chip him. And he just completely ignores the chip because two other defensive linemen are breaking across his face. Nick Bosa goes around him, and he's unimpeded to Dak Prescott. Like Nick Bosa on a third and long is unimpeded to Dak Prescott. Think about that. Like that is, <laughs> that is that like, it doesn't get that's any better wild. than, uh, right. It doesn't get in like, that's ideal, right? Like the 49ers defensive line isn't nearly as talented as it was in 2019, but it feels like it's at that same level. Eric Armstead yes. is taking his game to a different level. DJ Jones is healthy. He wasn't healthy or available he's in the been 2019 season. He's unreal been, the last two weeks. He's been really good. Samson Abukam has been solid. Arden Key mm-hmm. is a factor still. Like if he's not getting to the quarterback, he's drawing holding penalties. Like, right. and to your point, like the secondary, we came into the game thinking like, all right, well, the Niners just somehow have to avoid getting destroyed by Dallas's receivers. Right. And like Amari Cooper, six catches, 64 yards with a touchdown. I mean, you can live with that. Cedric Wilson, five catches, 62 yards. You can live with that. Dalton Schultz, 89 yards, seven catches. I mean, not ideal, but like I, CeeDee Lamb was a guy I was most worried about. Same. From a 49ers perspective, right? Like CeeDee Lamb is like, you're like, all right, as long as he doesn't do what A.J. Brown did against the Niners, like mm-hmm. that'll be a win. And to hold him to one catch on five targets. Yeah. Bananas. And getting like it's... getting an interception that led to a touchdown. Obviously massive in a six-point game for K1 Williams. Mm-hmm. So who was back after not playing? K1 who and who gave up the touchdown to Amari Cooper. K1 Williams gave up slot fade. The 49ers were not gonna pitch a shutout. So can can I talk <laughs> can we talk about your text in the first half? Sure. So for the listeners, Kyle's fit. I don't know if it's a bit. I still kind of think it is a bit. No, it's not a bit. You guys are just my friends. So I I I bitch to you guys during games. Well, so what if you don't Kyle want to be does, my if you don't want to be my in-game sounding board, cool. Stop talking no, to you guys. I, I, I am all. No, no, no. It's fine. I, I very much enjoy it. That's but I don't I, think you it's do. Worth, it's worth bringing up. Well, it makes you're me laughing laugh. at me. You're not laughing with me. No, I, well, you're, you <laughs> seem very upset. So it's hard to laugh with you in those situations. But it was like Kyle likes to overreact to things in the first half. It's like a weekly thing. It's like so and so stinks. This guy's trash. Niners are in trouble. This is a disaster. And it's like, all right, well, let, let's just like relax a little bit. And you were not, not at all happy with K1 Williams after he allowed the touchdown. I, like, I swear know. to God, he gets beat on one slot fade per game. It happens. 
Yeah. I mean, as somebody who watches the tape, you probably know. Dude, just grinding it. Just grinding the tape. But so I was like, Kwan Williams stinks. And I was like, all right, there's Kyle's first over, <laughs> overreaction text. And then he comes back and, and has an important interception. Um, no, but it's so I stood by my take. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair. Jimmy Ward probably should have caught that interception that was that deep pass. I mean, somebody should have, but I mean, Ambry Thomas solid was had good coverage solid. on that play. Yeah. Why Ambry Thomas has just been solid. And so, Hey, can I r- real quick? Yeah, go for it. Ambry Thomas solid. Once again, a guy who got some opportunities and played really well. Another guy, not a rookie, but just came up huge. Uh, Jawan Jennings, three catches, yeah. 29 yards, all three catches for first downs. On third just down, these, right? Were they all third yeah, down conversions? Yeah, all third like, down yeah. conversions. Yeah. Yeah. Just these guys that weren't playing a ton early in the year, all of a sudden, huge, huge cogs. That's what's fascinating about the se- the way the season's gone for the 49ers has been really interesting to see because the offense has sort of evolved, right? Like the season started, you're, you don't know that Debo Samuel is necessarily a superstar, obviously, because he hadn't mm-hmm. done it yet. So you're like, all right, maybe Debo Samuel's number two. He takes a leap that I think I thought Brandon Ayuk would take. Brandon Ayuk starts the season in the doghouse. Raheem Mostert gets hurt. George Kittle gets hurt. You're trying to figure out, man, this 49ers offense is really sort of struggling to find its footing. Midway through the season, Debo Samuel gets moved to running back. George Kittle returns healthy, and then Brandon Ayuk starts picking up the slack. And then because Debo Samuel is such a focal point for opposing defenses, you have Brandon Ayuk starting to make plays. You have George Kittle start to fade a little bit in terms of his production in the passing game. And then you have Juwan Jennings step up because George Kittles and Debo Samuel are occupying so much attention that you have another option potentially in man-to-man coverage or at least single coverage when, you know, in addition to Brandon Ayuk, because you can't double everybody on the field. And this is as balanced as an offense as the 49ers have had since Kyle Shanahan's been there because of the emergence of Juwan Jennings and the fact you still have Brandon Ayuk who led the team in receiving today with 66 yards, um, five catches on six targets. And that six one was a big one. And that Jimmy Garoppolo just airmailed him. Maybe that's a touchdown, right? I think it was a third and 11. And it was, was going to be a big game. It felt a lot like the miss to Kyle Juszczyk in that Tennessee game, right? Where it's just like wide open. But I mean, the 49ers, despite, what limitations they have at quarterback. And and I think it's pretty clear. I mean, it's been clear, but you're, you're not going to get a clean performance from Jimmy Garoppolo in the sense of like, all right, Garoppolo is going to, you feel confident that he's, that he's going to hit all his open targets, especially deep ones when they're wide open. And he's not going to throw any picks. Like you just don't feel that ever. And so right. that's, that's the margin of error. The 49ers are living in, but to sort of compensate for that. They just have a very good group of skilled position players right now. Mm-hmm. 16 of 25 for a buck 72 and a pick. Isn't going to get it done on their center. Five of, 11, to five that of point, 11, 39 yards and an interception in the second half. Ugh, yikes. Which isn't but, great going but, into Green Bay. But the takeaway here, I don't want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. He wasn't good. But the takeaway for me is, <laughs> no, there's just not a lot more to say about it. He was good in the first half. I thought He was fine. He was fine. 
but especially down the stretch, if you had taken this stat line, if I showed you before the game, hey, Garoppolo is going to go 16 of 25 for a buck 72, no touchdowns and a pick. You're like, oh, the 49ers lost by 30. Like, <laughs> like it would it would maybe not that, but you 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 probably would have thought the Niners lost. Yeah, I would have. If you told me five of eleven for thirty nine yards and a pick in the second half, yeah, for sure. I'm saying I'm I'm guessing they lose. Yeah. So the fact that they got that kind of game and they overcame it thanks to what they did defensively and then getting ninety six yards and a touchdown from Elijah Mitchell and 72 yards and a touchdown on the ground from Debo Samuel. I mean, that's that was the height of the Niners' formula. Like, I think Garoppolo next week will be better than he was. And it's it's like the Niners' run game working like this, and when their defensive line plays as well as it did, well, when their defense as a whole played as well as it did against Dallas, this is a really, really hard team to beat. And Absolutely. I didn't think they did anything that's not replicable. I think Green Bay is better than Dallas, but they, <laughs> the biggest keys going in were like, Hey, they're going to have to run the ball against Dallas and their defense is going to have to play as well as it has all year. And they did both of those things. I thought it was a really, really not a cheap win where it was like, Oh man, they were lucky to skate by and pull the upset. Like, no, they were the aggressor. They won flat out. Probably should have won by more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I agree. And and what's really interesting about this team now is you've basically we can throw out the Texans game because they weren't going to beat Houston probably even with a C effort, right? But they've gone on the road in back-to-back weeks and beat teams that were favored, that were better than them, right? Like going to the Rams and beating them in a must-win situation. Going to Dallas and beating them in a playoff game. Like there's a lot of value in that, in just being hardened by the 
the circumstances that you're in, right? Like there's a lot of value as, as bad as it was to start three and five and have that four game losing streak early in the season. I think it's actually served the Niners really well in that they've spent so long playing with their backs against the wall. Mm-hmm. And obviously that manifests itself in a game against Dallas where Dallas kind of skated through the entire season, didn't play any good teams, beat up on some really bad ones, and then came into this game thinking that, yeah, we're the better team. We're more talented. We're at home. Like, you know, we're our, our skill guys match up well against their cornerbacks because their cornerbacks, you know, probably aren't good or at least weren't throughout the majority of the season. But now it's like the 49ers are in a position where they can be one of those teams that can make a run because they're just hardened by what they've gone through. And it's, it's not the best team that always wins. It's just a team that's playing the best. And the 49ers have the horses to beat anybody. And as, as long as they don't make, Backbreaking mistakes, which is really difficult, like their number one task and really difficult to count on because their special teams have been terrible all season. And Jimmy Garoppolo Mm -hmm. has been mistake prone all season. Like that's going to be their Achilles heel, it feels like. Because as good as Aaron Rodgers is, it doesn't feel like he's going to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns and carve up the 49ers on Saturday. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if if the Packers win, it'll probably be something like Garoppolo throwing a pick or two or, Mm -hmm. you know, the Niners having two or three turnovers and maybe they give up a couple special teams plays or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't feel like the 49ers are going to go to Green Bay and be a team that Green Bay just walks over as a number one seed. Like it feels like it's going to be a very good game, but you do worry about like, can Jimmy Garoppolo grip a ball in the weather? And mm-hmm. throw passes like he needs to when it's four degrees outside. Like it's it's a 7 p.m. kickoff local time Saturday night. It's gonna be so cold. It's gonna be cold. It's gonna be as it it looks like it's gonna be single digits with a negative wind chill, actually. Seven percent chance of precipitation. Um, it was what it was it was what yesterday when we were playing golf, like 43. It was like low 40s, and I hated it. <laughs> I think when we when we can got you imagine there, when Eight. we teed off, I think it was, I think it was low, like mid thirties, maybe mid to high thirties. I just couldn't feel my hands. It was horrible. I mean, you were a little, <laughs> and, under, not, and I'm trying to, you were a way underprepared. Yeah, for sure. A little under, I had four layers on, but like, but like those guys are only playing NFL football. We were playing golf. So like, that's a wash. <laughs> so you're saying okay yeah so we're just as tough like playing golf right, in, that's in the 30s bit. is gonna okay, yes okay yeah yeah i mean that's what i was going for trying to trying to like feel the golf club in your hands and all that is is difficult when it's that cold we basically know <laughs> what they're gonna be going through out there. <laughs> right right very but, relatable <laughs> moments coming but but to just to a quick look ahead when you talk about the defense and the, and the packers being able to walk over them I think I might have had that concern a little bit after the Rams game if they had had to play Green Bay in round one. But now that you've seen what they were able to do, especially with just their front four, like they didn't call a ton of blitzes and the ones they did were pretty well timed. This is such a vastly different defense than the one the Packers saw in week three. That was Emmanuel Mosley's first game of the year. 
um, for, for the 49ers. Uh, Josh Norman played a lot. Diamador Lenore had to play a lot because K1 Williams got hurt. It was just a, a very, very, I think Dante Johnson played some defensive snaps. If, uh, if I remember correctly, I might be off on that, but, um, this is just a very, very different defense than that one. And I think you really saw that on Sunday. They are playing excellent, excellent football. And it, that wasn't a fluke. Like Dallas shot themselves in the foot plenty of times, but the Niners has made plays too. And they kept Dallas from ever getting in a rhythm. I'm really impressed with D'Amico Ryans. Me too. Like really impressed. Like first year coordinators typically aren't this good schematically. And yeah. I think he's got the combination of being really good schematically, being really good at making adjustments, but also having uh, sort of the interpersonal skills to like get the most out of guys. Right. Cause sometimes that's a rare combination. Sometimes with coordinators, you have like a really brilliant schematic mind who isn't great, you know, like motivating guys or getting guys up for games or just like being able to coach on a, on a level and during the week and communicate and all that stuff. But because Ryan's was a former player, he knows exactly what that takes. But mm-hmm. schematically it's like, it, it always, you aren't seeing, you, you remember like 2018, it was Robert Sala's second year, but the thing one of the things about the defense in 2018 was aside from the lack of pass rush, because Nick Bo- that was before Nick Bosa got there, there were just coverage busts all the time. There were communication yep. issues. There was Akella Witherspoon with his palms in the air being like, what just happened? Right. And that was even like Richard Sherman was on that team and they were mm-hmm. having communication issues seemingly every week. And you have a first year coordinator now and a new secondaries coach in Corey Unlin, who I'm still not entirely sure how good Corey Unlin is. Not sold. But like that there aren't coverage busts, and it's like Dak Prescott with one of the best array of weapons in the league. And, you know, one of the best passing games in the league is like really struggling to find receivers downfield. And the 49ers are scheming up pass rushes just through games and stunts and twists and all of that. That's like really effective with guys who aren't like super duper talented. Like they, they you know, it's not, it's not like the five first round picks that they had, you know, in 2019, like they have Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and that's it really like Arden key kind of off the scrap heap, Samson Ebukam, like $5 million a year player. It's not like they're, they're as loaded as they were in 2019 when they had, you know, a healthier D Ford and DeForest Buckner. So are like, starting a team. Oh, go ahead. No. So it's just, I, I just think D'Amico Ryan's has done a phenomenal job and um, you, I mean, he's getting head coaching interviews. Yeah, with the, the Vikings, I think he has one. Yeah, he's interviewing with the Vikings. So it'll be, you know, kind of remains to be seen, like if that's going to be a uh, a real interview or just something to make Minnesota Rooney Rule compliant. But but the fact that they picked out D'Amico Ryan's of all the coaches just goes to show that people are impressed with what he's done. And I think that that's kind of been the case all year especially when you look at kind of the injuries they dealt with at linebacker and with Jason Ferret going down in week one, they've had to piece together a secondary all year. I mean, Drake Kirkpatrick played real snaps. Josh Norman played a lot of snaps <laughs> and here they are. Niners played in probably the best division in the NFL with three really good quarterbacks. 
and the Niners finished third in defense with a cornerback group that is not good by like in like relative to the rest of the league, right? Like we've or talked like so much point. about the, their cornerback situation. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, the 49ers can hang with anybody because their defense is really good. Well, Manuel Mosley's back and Emmanuel Mosley's playing really well. And Embry Thomas is just like a good player now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, sure. All right. And if you have two legitimate starting corners, that changes a lot. It was yeah. when they had corners that like Josh Norman and Drake or Patrick were was going to be a problem. Yeah, because you feel or if Ambry Thomas didn't get markedly better, which you he feel did. you feel good about the safeties, especially if they're healthy, mm-hmm. and you feel really good about the linebacker situation. Now we don't know about Fred Warner's injury, but like Aziz Alshara and Drake Greenlaw are very good second and third yeah. linebackers for you. Right, if you're having to roll with those two as your starting linebackers, like they would probably both start on a lot of teams. Right, like that's that's a that's a good that's a good sign for San Francisco. If you're starting a team right now, are you taking Dak Prescott or Arden Key? I like this bit. We talked about we talked about a this really bit good bit on Saturday <laughs> after golf. Um, I just yeah, I mean Arden Key, like Chris Kasurik's done a great job. It's I, I just I was I ran that bit to get us back to the defensive line. They Chris were so Kisurik, freaking good on Sunday. Chris Kasurik probably deserves a raise. I don't know how much money he makes. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a decent amount, but I mean this is this is pretty remarkable, right? Like turning Arden Key into a super valuable player for them is massive. Like Samson Ebukam being a a actual contributor is enormous. Like Arden, like Eric Armstead having the best stretch of his season, and I, I don't think it's particularly close. Like I know he had mm-hmm. he led the team in sacks in, in 2019, but it always felt like he was sort of benefiting from everybody around him, right? Like, I, I, it yeah. feels like at least half of Eric Armstead's sacks in 2019 were like cleanup sacks. Yeah. And now he's like a force. Yeah. And like a, like a real force on the interior. And then if you, you just look at the way they're executing, it's, it's, just, it's just super impressive. And what they're doing against the run? Right. Remember week one, the Lions gashed them on the ground. And the takeaway was like, oh, the 49ers might have trouble stopping the run this year. And then Javon Kinlaw goes out and it's like, they don't have bodies inside. Like, this is rough. And then they cut Zach Kerr. And it's like, I don't know what they're going to do to try and stop the run. And now here they are. Like, they just, what the Cowboys have, like 77 yards on 21 carries. They just never got it going on the ground. Zeke Elliott, 31 yards on 12 carries. Um, Wash, dude. Zeke is cheeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably. Um, but he did like, not look good. They allowed 163 rushing yards to Arizona in that Colt McCoy game. And then it was 52, 54, 67, 146 with exactly half of those coming against the Seahawks when they allowed that um, 73-yard uh, fake punt touchdown 86 rushing yards to the Bengals 62 against Atlanta 90 against Tennessee 86 against Houston 64 against the Rams and 77 today so they went from like Man. a three-game stretch where it was 148 rushing yards 176 rushing yards 163 allowed to like a third to a half that in every game for the rest of the season not counting the the rushing touchdown, which skewed the 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 fake punt touchdown in Seattle that skewed this, those stats. 
So, yeah, I mean, for a team that plays wide nine too, like that's, that's the crazy thing. Wide nine is regarded as like a very difficult defense to run. If you're trying to stop the run, like by definition, wide nine is creating very wide gaps between your defensive linemen because your defensive ends are so wide. The fact that the 49ers can defend the run as well as they do while implementing the wide nine is a testament to their coaching. It's a testament to how well just that they're playing overall and just the personnel. Like it's very impressive. So yeah, just, just very like, it's, it's a defense that's better than the sum of its parts. Right. Like if you were to go player by player, you'd be like, yes. yeah, that guy's solid, that guy's solid. But like they had, it felt like, and we talked about it all during the season and in the off season, it felt like their cornerback situation was a serious liability and it was early on, but now it's like, they're piecing it together. Yeah. Healthy, healthy Emmanuel Mosley and the emergence of Avery Thomas just changes the calculus of this defense immensely. Totally. Because now it's like, okay, yeah, they're getting a good pass rush. Oh, and they have two very capable corners and a good slot corner. Overreaction to Cameron Williams aside. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I feel, like I said, it is remarkable how where we were at after that week nine loss to Colt McCoy and the Cardinals, where we were at with this team, and where we're at now. Because we're at the point now and what they did Sunday. And again, we'll talk about this more during the week, but after Sunday and how the 49ers played, it's like, oh yeah, they can go into Green Bay and win. Yeah, they definitely can. With their defense playing at this level, with their run game operating the way it's operating, I I don't know. They're, they're just super hard to beat. Yeah, I don't think I'll pick them this week, but I'm with you in that they can win. Like, it is absolutely insane to think about what the conversation was and what I wrote early on in the year. It was like the 49ers at some point need to just play Trey Lance because they need, they need to either develop Trey Lance or make the playoffs. And it didn't look like they were doing either of those things when they're losing four straight. And now it's like, man, they have a history against green Bay, obviously. Mm -hmm. And they can go in and beat green Bay potentially and be in the NFC championship game. They went from four straight losses in three and five to now went away from the NFC title game. That is wild to think about. Um, With no, like, it's not like they traded for a different quarterback or did something drastic. Like they just started playing better. <laughs> it was like their, their trade deadline acquisition was running back Debo Samuel. And also Charles Amenahu, <laughs> and who had a Charles sack Amenahu. and a half. Yeah. Who had a sack and a half. Today. And he's probably going to have to play a lot on, on Saturday too. Um, how wild is it though? Like Debo Samuel was one of the best receivers in the league from a production standpoint. Like he would, there were the first few weeks he was getting some insane target share, like 33% or whatever. It was like the highest right. in the league or second highest right. behind only Cooper cup or something. And then mid season, you take your best receiver and turn him into a running back basically and he becomes like one of the best running backs in the league. That touchdown run he had today was unbelievable. 
he, he got to the corner. Yeah. It was stacked up. And so he cut back inside, but like weaved his way back to the cutback lane and then cut it upfield and just outran two defenders who had angles on him. It's, it's super surprising how effective it is because when he's in the backfield, you're like, all right, Debo's getting it. Like, it's like you can, I mean, they, they, they actually ran a couple of play action shakes with Debo in the backfield, which was, I thought notable for sure. But it's, it's like the Niners can say, yeah, we're giving the ball to Debo and you still can't stop it, which is wild to think about. Even crazier, they almost converted a third and 10 running a, that reverse play to Debo. Like that almost just won him the game. It was two inches short of just winning him the game. And then they made the mistake to, with Jimmy Garoppolo snapping the ball too quickly on the fourth down quarterback sneak. But like, what player in the league do you give a handoff to on third and 10 when you absolutely have to have it and you absolutely cannot throw a pass and feel good about like, yeah, we're probably going to get this first down here, or at least we're going to come damn close. I think I have an answer. I think the chiefs would do that with Tyreek Hill. You think they're running a reverse to Tyreek? Maybe. Maybe not a reverse. You like a jet sweep, but it was like 10 yards. Maybe Jamar Chase. Third and 10. But like you give Jamar Chase, like I was was watching. To to your point, that was a just like end around straight handoff here. Go get some yards. It wasn't like a, like some crazy double reverse. It wasn't, it it was just like, Hey, here's a, here's effectively an outside zone. It was a flip, make a play. It was a flipped version of the play. It looked like anyway, a flipped version of the play they ran against the Seahawks in Week 17 in 2019 mm, when yeah. Debo scored a touchdown. Yeah, because you had you had a pulling offensive lineman and you had George Kittle in front of him throwing blocks. Like it was very well designed and set up. But I mean, third and ten, like that's it's it happened a couple of times against the Rams. Not not in that game. Uh, last week but like in 20 in 2020 for sure but just like game on the line third and medium or third and long and you're running the ball to Debo Samuel and he just barrels through guys and almost gets it it's not like that's like it's just get, not a thing that should happen he it's honestly like it's the lasting image I'll take from this game like the fact you can give the ball to Debo Samuel on third and 10 I know he was like two inches short but they initially ruled that he that he got the first down. That's the lasting image I'll have. Like Debo Samuel scoring and then potentially getting that first down right there. Like he, that's just crazy. Like I don't want to get like too hyperbolic about Debo, but I, I I feel similar to Debo right now as I did like about George Kittle in 2019. Because Kittle hmm. went from like okay, really good tight end. He set the record in 2018 or whatever. But Kittle kind of became like all right. Like this guy's a legend in like 49ers lore at mm-hmm. this point for what he did in 2019. Kittle's at that point for me right now. Yeah. Like I'm at the point where it's like, I'm not sure any other player is going to wear 19 for the 49ers. Like, hmm. you know what I mean? Like that's, that's where it feels like this is going. Like maybe this wow. is, and who knows? I mean, the, the, the contract stuff with Debo is going to be fascinating, right? Very interesting. And we can talk about that in the off season, but because it's like, it's like, you don't want to pay running backs. So what do you do? You don't want to pay running backs and you definitely 
don't want to pay guys with like lengthy injury histories, but you also like, if a dude is just one of the best players in the league, you want to pay him. He's a goddamn baller. <laughs> he just runs you know through they, dudes. It would be really because the thing with Debo is it's not like, oh, you just replace them. It's not like a running back where you say, oh, you can just replace that running back. Or it's not just some generic receiver where it's like, oh, just go get a couple more receivers and somebody will step up in that and produce like that. Right. He is very uniquely skilled in a way that like, you've talked about this on the podcast before, like every, every receiver in the draft is going to be the next Devo Samuel. Or there are going to be receivers in the draft. Where, oh, this guy's he's the next Devo Samuel. Like, mm, probably not. It's not just that they hand in the ball. It's that he runs it effectively. Or as effectively as he does. And just the fact the, the the perfect Debo Samuel thing was him calling his shot on the touchdown. Where, according to Debo Samuel, quote, when K1 got the interception, I looked at Kyle and said, hey, just give me the ball. I got you. I went out there and next play I scored. And then Shanahan's version of that was right before he went out there, he just mouthed something to me, which I kind of guessed was give me the ball. When I look at him talking that way, it's extremely motivating and he makes it a lot easier to call plays. You don't just let that guy walk and go like, yeah, we'll see if Brandon Ayuk can do it. And like all of his rushing touchdowns feel like they're from like 16 to like 30 yards. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's like you you know it's coming at some point but it always works like right. i feel like this is a valid question and again i'm really not trying to be hyperbolic but i feel like it's valid is debo samuel the best player in the league with the ball in his hands right now or is he like top three uh like pound for pound i think he's the best like but it's Der- really hard it's really it's really hard to look at like derrick henry and jonathan taylor yeah but, but he's, I mean, deep, but he's one of those there, three, is, right? Is there a receiver? Let's put it this way. Is there a receiver that if you just have a third and four, like, is there a receiver you'd rather have? The drops are the only thing, right? Like he does have, he had an inordinate amount of drops. I don't care about drops. Do you well, want right. to know how? Right. But I'm, I don't like, remember any of them. I remember a few, but like, <laughs> I, I think it's a fair question. No, I think, I think on third and four, given how many different ways you can use him, like, yeah, he's one of, I mean, he's a, he was a first team all pro. So clearly he's like one of the two or three best receivers in the league. Right. Right now. So fascinating to see because he's due for an extension for the first time. Like Amari Cooper is getting twenty million a year. If you just were to try to place value on Debo Samuel and what he's meant to the 49ers, like he's absolutely in that realm. But to your point, paying running backs is really scary. And eventually, I mean, who knows? But eventually it feels well, like Debo Samuel's not gonna be able to play that way his entire career. Right. But like if you're the you you have to pay him. Yes. I was very skeptical given the injury stuff because he dealt with injuries in college and he had 2020 basically derailed by injuries. Very skeptical about the idea of paying Debo. 
And even midway through this season, I was like, well, Debo, you probably like, you know, not sign in this off season. And, and, you know, you could always give him the franchise tag if you have to, but now it's like, man, you might want to lock him up before the cap really spikes and receivers start to make 28 million a year, which is going to come at some point over the next three or four years. So like, man, if you can lock Debo in for 20, like maybe it seems like a lot now, but there's no chance he takes 20. You think he's getting more than 20? Yes. Because we'll see. he's going to pull the Le'Veon Bell move. I play both of these positions. I should be compensated as such. He called himself this week um, a wide back. Isn't that a Sir Mix-a-Lot song? <laughs> um, yeah, someone asked him what, what position he thinks he plays, and, and he said, I play wide back. Which, totally. I mean, yeah, it's... Do side bends or sit-ups. Just please don't lose that wide back. <laughs> uh, let's, let's do pick six on that note. Wide back girls, you make the rockin' world go round. Shout out Freddie Mercury. Tyler, hit the thing, please, and get me out of this. <laughs> get me out of these. Have you gone back and watched the, uh, the the Baby Got Back music video recently? I didn't hear what you said. I said, of course. It's hilarious. Okay. You cut out for a second. Yeah. I, I Within the last, there was, I don't know, six months ago or something, I went back and I, rewatched I, it with a friend and it was like, this is the funniest thing ever. I just got a message on my computer that said, your internet connection is unstable. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, same, bro. But I'm still working. Let's go. Like, come on. <laughs> that's why. On. That's why we lost you for a sec. But yeah, probably pick six. Yeah. Okay. Pick six. I think you won this week because you had Debo. The strategy in pick six is to pick Debo first. <laughs> at this point, <laughs> that's, that's the point, new strategy. Yeah. At this point, you pick Debo first, and there's a good chance you win. So I had Debo first. Um. I don't think I wrote him down this pulling week. Pulling up, pulling up his stats: seventy-two rushing yards on ten carries. He had ten carries. It's it still blows my mind. He was just like the running back to start the game. Yeah, there. I, yeah, it was. He got like two straight, I think, to start. And I was like, are they going to give Debo Samuel like twenty-five carries today? <laughs> I thought it was. Com- <laughs> I thought it was coming. Yeah, I was fully ready. Like, oh yeah, Elijah Mitchell just banged up his knee in in pregame, so Debo's just the running back now. Healthy scratch, Trey Sermon, Debo Samuel's in. <laughs> 72 yards on 10 carries. Uh, he had three catches for 38 yards. You really, you really need to see more from Debo in the passing game. Um, I'm just I, kidding. I thought, <laughs> hey, if just on this, since since we're talking about Debo right now, mm-hmm. if they did that, if they just said, "Hey, you are the running back," for, you're just going to get 20 carries. Do you think at some point there would be a a point of diminishing returns? where like at some point he wouldn't average seven yards a carry anymore, or is that just what he would do? I think it would be really tough to average 7.2 yards per carry. If you got like 15 or 20. Right. And you're, I mean, like at some point you'd run out of creative ways to give him the ball and you're just running, 
your regular run plays. And every run is a five car pileup. Right. So like you're, you'd probably have a hard time keeping him healthy. I mean, he's been healthy. He's been relatively healthy throughout all this so far, but I don't care about that. I don't, I, I just, I want to know. Could if, he, if you gave him 20 get, carries a game, could would he, he run for 140 yards? yards? It wouldn't shock me, honestly. I'd be pretty shocked. <laughs> like if he had, like, would it shock you if he had 20 carries in green Bay and like 140 yards and two touchdowns with that? Oh, would it shock? I would be shocked, not at the production, but that they gave him 20 carries. Right. Because that's just a full-blown position change. Like, now he's not even a receiver anymore. <laughs> now he's a pass-catching running back at that it's, point. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, Debo Samuel, go-ahead touchdown. He's just, he's very good. Very he's good. He's just anything that you think Debo Samuel is, like, that's just what he is. And probably a little bit better. Yeah, and they're, like, you using him as a decoy now a little bit more than they were earlier. It's like, man, you can get really disgusting. They did that. They did that. They did that play today in the shotgun where it was Debo on Garoppolo's left and Mitchell on his right. And Garoppolo takes a snap and like does a hard turn to his right and hands it to Mitchell. But Debo had run behind Garoppolo and Garoppolo kept going. Like he was tossing it to Debo and it was wide open for Mitchell. The entire defense bit on the Debo. And it was was just a straight handoff to Elijah Mitchell. Even Debo's touchdown, it was Mitchell went in motion. He did the orbit motion Mm -hmm. to the left, and Leighton Vander Esch followed him. And Debo had a cutback lane in part because Vander Esch wasn't even there. He was on the other Mm -hmm. side of the field covering Mitchell. So just like the way Kyle Shanahan can create running lanes and exploit matchups and make the defense off balance is just very unique and given how talented the 49ers skill guys are and how well the offensive line plays like this is it's pretty special what they're doing right now considering where they were early in the year yeah maybe it's just Kyle Shanahan's offense is just really tough to learn and it takes like eight weeks to figure it out during the regular season I would recommend they not wait eight weeks every year to get rolling but it might be like this playoff run. It might be that like this builds enough equity to be like, all right, maybe we don't need to like react to losses in September and October like we did this year. Right. Well, I react to losses in the first half. So you do. Yeah. <laughs> Text from Kyle in an August week two preseason game. This is a disaster. How's Shanahan going to survive this? <laughs> oh, come on. Give me a little credit. I, I know. I'm kidding. Uh, what was my first pick? Like I said, I didn't write him down this week. Uh, you took Nick Bosa second. Yikes. Tough. I mean, he was good. He, he was. was. Good and he then got he got hurt. concussed. Yeah, that was, and a, then tough, left again. That was a tough play. I, I think he would have had more than one sack had he stayed in the game. I agree. I agree. He's, he's, he's also just down. Like, if you just watch down in and down out Nick Bosa, he's like just horrifying for the offense to deal with. Mm -hmm. And it has such ripple effects to everybody else, but he's such a unique talent. Like he's so good at what he does. He's good. Like just all around. Like that's what I think makes him so good is like, 
He has the quickness. He can mm-hmm. win with a bunch of different moves as a pass rusher. Yeah. And he's really good against the run and he's really smart in terms of like diagnosing plays as they happen, creating game plans against individual opponents he's going against. Like he's just everything you want in a edge player. He's very good. And the 49ers really obviously, good player. obviously need him. Yeah. Rogers. IMO. I don't want to say they have no chance if he doesn't play against Green Bay, but I like their chances a lot less. Yeah, we'll see. It didn't sound like listening to the postgame pressers that there was a ton of concern about um, Bosa long-term, but we'll see. You never really know. Mm, yeah. Um, I picked third, and I took Jimmy Garoppolo, which accompanied e. a season-long May couple. Look, he was bad in the second half for sure, but he was pretty good in the first half, I thought. Okay. He was. Great. He threw a backbreaking interception and missed Brandon Ayuk wide open down the sideline. I mean, it wasn't and it's, that backbreaking. They, they immediately the scored game. a touchdown and got back in the game. They still won. That's the only reason that was a game. 11 of 14, 133 yards in the first half. He was good in the first half. I mean, look, they're riding with Jimmy. Like, it's not... They're not going back now. Well, obviously. He just wasn't very good on Sunday. It wouldn't surprise me if he comes out and he's really good against the Packers next week. I'm just very curious to see how his thumb reacts to the cold. I don't know what you can do with a torn ligament in your thumb when you play quarterback in the NFL and you have to go to Green Bay and play in five-degree weather. Yeah, I have no idea. Does he glove up? I doubt it. I, didn't he try wearing gloves against the Colts? It was a disaster. Oh, in the rain? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he wraps it up more or something and makes sure. Did, maybe he'll get the cool Josh Allen jersey with the hand warmer stitched in. He was which wearing. Which was cool as hell. He had two hand warmers. He had like the normal like fanny pack hand warmer thing and then also the built-in one. I was like. The built-in there, one. Are there two really different. Cool. I've never seen that. Are there two different temperatures going on here? Do you have like hot and super hot in your hand warmers? Like what's going on? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he just thinks it looks really cool. Get Josh on the horn. Uh, Hand warmer on the back. Underrated cool quarterback equipment. Football accessory. Yeah. I like the hand warmer spun to the back. Yeah. I'm big on that. Jimmy Garoppolo was not good. He was good in the first half and not good in the second half. He was abysmal he was bad, in the second half. Bad in the second half. Yeah. But it's, it it's very tough. It's what you're going to get. You're not getting credit for a good pick on this. I'm sorry. I didn't say it was a good pick. I just, Okay. I, I, I made the pick more or less to just give us a talking point about Jimmy Garoppolo and give me an opportunity to have mm. a couple because ultimately Trey Lance probably isn't doing what Jimmy Garoppolo did in L.A. last week. No, probably not. But he might have if he started all year. I'll, I'll maintain. <laughs> <laughs> Is that uh, where you landed on that whole debate? <laughs> what? I don't think you ever talked about it. Yeah, no, we hadn't talked about it at all. <laughs> um, you had Brandon Ayuk next. I feel really good about this. Five catches, six targets, 66 yards. Um, and absolutely flambéed Trayvon Diggs like twice. 
Trayvon Diggs was pretty much a non-factor today. Total non-factor. Like got the most the most notable thing he did was get walloped by Jawan Jennings on a block. Yeah. I'm impressed that with probably should have gotten flagged. I'm I'm but, impressed with Jawan Jennings. We can talk about him. But he's a yeah, I mean monster. if I if Ayuk was hit in stride on third and eleven when he put digs in a blender, like that's what 30, 40. He ran a little yards. like in and then up. And as soon as he went in, Diggs sprinted to that spot like the ball was out. It was horrible. I don't I'm <laughs> I don't claim to know the cornerback position like inside and out, but I'm fairly certain that's not the way you're supposed to play that. <laughs> it's not when the way you're running, you stay in phase. When you're running downhill toward the line of scrimmage as the receiver is running upfield toward the end zone. <laughs> That feels like you put yourself in a bad position. And uh, there was the other play, the one where Garoppolo did connect with Ayuk down the field, where Ayuk ran that uh, little like cross and then up, and Diggs just never ran up with him. He just kept running with the cross. That's that's what like that play where him just getting open like that on that third and eleven was why like he did that early on in training camp the entire time. And he did it against the Chargers in one-on-one drills when they had joint practices down in L.A. And it was mm-hmm. like, this dude is a really good route runner. And what helps him in his route running is just how explosive he is in and out of his breaks. Mm-hmm. And to see him do that in August and just like be virtually uncoverable is what made the start of the season so confounding. Right. Because like there were practices, open practices, like fans who went to open practice. It was like Brandon Ayuk was making like six catches a game a a day and just being Mm -hmm. like wide open. I was like, yeah, Brandon Ayuk is going to be a baller this year. And then for whatever reason, it tailed off. Um, Yeah. So weird. I took uh, I went chalk and took George Kittle next. I mean, a good blocking day for Kittle. There were what? There were a few on Micah Parsons that were like really good. Micah Parsons, a hell of a player, by the way. Yes, he is. Um, the disappearance of George Kittle in the passing game is fascinating. Like he's just been a non-factor for four consecutive weeks. I think he's just occupying so much attention that like he's double teamed more often than not, and teams know like he's the guy you have to stop in the passing game, or that's typically been the story when you Mm play the 49ers in recent seasons. And now they can, they have enough guys, whether it's Ayuk or Jennings or even Debo, like you have guys to compensate for a lack of production from Kittle and you can still get what you need. And Kittle will still block like Kittle. Kittle doesn't need targets. I'm sure he'd love to have 150 yards a game, but he doesn't need the targets. Right. Um, so it's fascinating because you do wonder like, all right, is this, is there going to be a game where like, okay, if you're a defense, you, you double Debo every time he runs a route. And then is George Kittle going to have one of these 140 yard games that we used to see him have all the time? Is it going to happen in these playoffs? Maybe. Might happen against Green Bay. I'm not sure they can cover him. Yeah. But I mean, a very, I thought Kittle had a good game, even though he only had one catch. Mm-hmm. 
the fumble was a little scary at that point, but it wasn't actually a fumble because it was an incomplete pass. Yeah, it was an incomplete pass because Garoppolo had to throw it eight yards. The slow, the slow mo, the slow mo of that one was not was not it's great. So weird, man. It's I don't. He don't, lost his confidence in the second half after yes. throwing that pick. He seemed like his confidence was shot because that was that's a layup throw that he makes all the time. Yes, and the throw to Kittle was looked very much like a, I need to really aim this. It's like, bro, it's a screen. Let it rip. Let's get it there. The six yard duck. Yeah, it was not great. Probably better off because he dropped it. Yeah, or because it was a fumble. But I mean, maybe he doesn't fumble if that's a good pass. Anyway, uh, you rounded out pick six with our guy Jawan Jennings. Yeah, I sure did. Three catches. Great about it. Twenty nine yards. All third down conversions. Yeah, and just a monster blocker. Yeah, I mean, we spent all. I'm a big Jawan Jennings guy, dude. He's really, really good. And Jimmy Garoppolo likes him on third downs. I think he'll like him in the red zone once they start throwing the ball in the red zone. Um, <laughs> Scoring from I, I inside just, the red zone. Juwan Jennings is an excellent football player. I agree. I think they really nailed that one. I do too. Because they needed to. Like they needed to nail it really badly. Yeah. Um, speaking of nailing it, how about our guy Travis Benjamin with a catch on the first drive? Yeah, I you know we talked about it all week on the pod. Get Travis Benjamin involved early, <laughs> and they did that, and they won. One and zero this season when Travis Benjamin has a catch on the first drive. Um, two of Jimmy Garoppolo's worst throws of the day were intended for Trent Sherfield. Just wanted to point it out. He had the the interception, and then he had the one that was tips that looked like it would have been picked by the guy behind the guy. Oh who man! It. So. Maybe not force feeding Trent Sherfield. Yeah. I think that's probably maybe a good not. Call. Maybe not. Anything else on this game? <sighs> I feel like I've said a lot of things I've already said about like all these guys, but it's just some it's impressive, man. It was a really impressive one. Considering where they were and and now looking at what they've accomplished the last couple of weeks, like it's it's impressive. They're yeah. Unequivocally, one of the four best teams in the NFC. Yes. And that's what, when you talk about this season and whether this season was successful or not, like they not only made the playoffs, but they won on the road and they won a playoff game against a team a lot of smart NFL people thought were going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And like Dallas played their starters in the final week of the season because they needed to get back in a groove. And then they hang 50 or whatever it was on the Eagles. People are like, watch out for the Cowboys. They've figured it out again. And then they score 17 on the Niners. I I, I just, you're not going to win the Super Bowl every year. And for the 49ers, as bad as it looked like this to me, like this season's a win. So I was going to ask you that, and I'm glad you brought it up. So no matter what happens Saturday in Green Bay, this season is a success in your eyes for the 49ers. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. I think I think right now where I sit with a with a clear head. Um <laughs> ask me that if they lose to the Packers by 30. Or if they fall they behind by two scores in the first half on Saturday. <laughs> right. Right. If one bad thing happens in the first 30 minutes, <laughs> if a minor inconvenience happens. If Shanahan blows a fourth down call, Kyle's gonna be like, I'm so sick of this guy. 
Let's fire him. Let's get him out. <laughs> fire his ass. Um, it's worse during A's games. Uh, yes, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that too. Okay, but I think that's 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 warranted. Yeah. Thanks. Um. Yeah. No. I just. I. I, I think so. Like you want a playoff game, and if you lose to the number one seed in Green Bay, like. Okay. Yeah, if you win, if you lose to the number one seed and the likely MVP, and it's two degrees outside, and your quarterback's hurt, like, I just have a hard time being like, well, this season was a failure. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think if you're a good team, that's sort of the line, right? Like getting to the divisional round, yeah, being one of the yeah. four best teams in your conference, because like, there's no backing into that spot. Yeah. You either yep. earn it during the regular season with the with the one seed, or you, you know, win a playoff game and get there. Yep. Yep. Successful 49er season. Who would have thought? Back when they were three Not and five and, and losing to Colt McCoy at home. Yeah, that's a crazy, crazy thought. Anything else on this game? No. Alright, we're gonna get out of here. Subscribe, rate, review if you have not. We'll be back with the pod on Wednesday midweek pod and then we'll have another one for you previewing the 49ers Packers game on Friday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.